Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. All right, amen. You can have a seat. How are we doing this morning? Doing good? It's good to be back with you. Um, missed last weekend. Didn't mean to miss, didn't want to miss, but I was sick, so uh, really grateful for Darren stepping in the last minute and uh, doing a great job. So, But uh, definitely glad to be back and, and uh, glad you're here with us and those online as well. Um, as we get to the, the narrative that we are and find ourselves in Acts, just simply calling it the key. Have you ever had uh, like a lock or a door, um, you know, that has a lock on it and like you have no idea which key fits in it. Anyone ever been in that? Right? Like you're like, which key to do? I can't. We even had that in the church. I think we solved it at some point. There was like this like closet down in one of the, the rooms downstairs. Forever it was locked. I, I'm like, maybe there's a pot of gold in there. I have no idea because no one has a key for that thing, right? Where is it? Or maybe you've had a one of those nightmares, right, where you're running from a monster and and. Uh, uh, you're, you're trying, you got to get through some doors, right? And you're like, you got a, a zillion keys and you can't get through. Am I the only crazy people that have dreams like this, please? Okay. <laughs> right? Or, so, so finally, this never happens in my nightmare, but the beautiful dream is like, you find the key. Elaine, by the way, made this for me, so uh, had to use it. I don't know if it actually unlocks anything, but it's pretty cool, right? But when, I, when we talk about the key, metaphorically, you think about the people that are out there that you, that you see uh, every day. Everyone seems to be looking for the key, right? What's the key to my happiness, key to joy, key to success? You go to uh, online or they do still have physical bookstores. I don't know if you knew that. They do. And you go into the, the spirituality section or the, um, the, the self-help section. or there's, there's all these authors that say, here's the key. Or podcasters or YouTubers, right? They all have, if you do this, it's the key. But it never seems to be the actual key. And in our narrative today, we have uh, somebody who's pouring over a passage of Scripture, and he just doesn't understand, and he needs the key to understanding. And another man, who we've met already named Philip, comes alongside him and shows him that the key for him and for us is and always will be the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. It it is the key to joy. Let's pray as we go to this passage together. Father, I I just pray that um, you give us a spirit of humility as we look to the word. For many of us, we've read this passage so many times, but that we'd have a spirit of eagerness to hear from you, that you would get me out of the way and just be a vessel for your spirit to convict and encourage and show us what you want from us. And, and Lord, we know that there's those of us in person, those of us online right now, we have all different things going on, but it all comes down to the key, who is you, Jesus. And we pray that your name is glorified um, in our time together, as it already has been through song and prayer, that this would be a sacred time, bringing you glory as you uh, save and convict and encourage. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, so uh, if you're following along with us, we're in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, you can open your Bibles to that. Uh, we'll put it on the screen as well. If you don't own a Bible or you know someone who doesn't, you know the drill by now, please take one of our pew Bibles and take it or give it away. We'll, we'll restock. 
okay? While you're turning there, just one thing I wanted to put before you. Um, so our, some of our building and grounds team, they're working hard on a, a, a project that's pretty imminent that we'll obviously have to approve and everything, but, but they're really working on the plans for reworking out here this entrance with a deck, which would include a brand new in uh, two-code handicap ramp, all right? So for those of you who ever had to use it, you're tickled pink by that, right? We even had a round of applause last night at Saturday because um, Irene was here and she's been asking for that and it's been very uh, much necessary. Uh, it, it really is about um, our, our constant mission as a church that every human being is made in the image of God. And um, whether they have a physical disability or some other disability, they're just as important to the kingdom as any of us. And so anything we can do to be more welcoming and uh, uh, to to let them in. That's what we need to do. Um, and so it would be out here, and those spots would actually become the handicap spots. You actually could go right to the ramp. You don't have to come all the way down uh, Hartford Avenue to get to the ramp. So I, I bring that before you a couple of reasons. One, please be in prayer when they're putting those plans together with wisdom. Um, and two, uh, as always, we have our Give to the Future fund, our renovation fund, and that's always open. As you know, our, our, our goal, we started with the commons, of course, is to eventually, at least before I'm gone, is to modernize and renovate pretty much this whole building. That's gonna, so we leave our kids with a really great place. So that's going to take time, um, but that's the most imminent project. So if you have something extra you want to give and give towards that, uh, that's at least right now where it would go. So, uh, but the biggest thing is just prayer because anytime you're dealing with an old building, uh, you need wisdom to, to do that. So uh, all right, hopefully that's something that we'll be putting before you very soon. Now, I'm going to try something with this passage that I don't usually do, uh, uh, and that is to read it without comment. How many think I can do it? All right, caveat. After last night, I'm going to make one comment, and I'll explain when when I make it. But I I, I think I can do it. And then what I want to do is I want to trace back and look at this from the two different perspectives of the two main characters of this story, okay? So let's, let's start. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise. And go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? Verse uh, 31, and the eunuch said, how can I I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom I ask you does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or about someone else? And Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, here's my one comment. As you can see, 
That's verse 30. And the reason I'm doing this is last night when I got back to it and explained it, about 10 people grabbed their Bibles and started looking to make sure I wasn't crazy. All right? So I wanted to point it out. This is verse 36, and we didn't make a mistake. Um, it's going to skip right to verse 38. No verse 37, so we'll get to it, all right? All right, verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water and Philip the eunuch, uh, with Philip the eunuch, and both of them, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to the towns until he came to Caesarea. Which, by the way, is the last time we'll hear of Philip until chapter 21, where he's much older and has four grown, grown daughters, and he settled in Caesarea. That's where he ended up uh, being planted by God uh, in his ministry. So, um, so, so as we look at this story, and I know, it's one of, I know I say this a lot, but it's sort of one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's just so cool what happens and how it happens. But I, I want you to like, take the perspective, first of all, from Philip. We've, we've seen him, if you've been with us. Philip um, was first introduced when the Hellenistic widows weren't being fed, and he was what we call maybe the first team of deacons, you know, along with Stephen and others. And, and so he, he gets introduced there. But then remember, when Stephen gets stoned, persecution begins to push them, and Philip's amongst the Christians that has to leave the Jerusalem church, and he ended up in Samaria, Right? the hated enemies of the Jews, but if you remember, the whole mission that Jesus gave them was go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And so they weren't going to Samaria, but the persecution pushed Philip and others to begin to preach the gospel in Samaria, and you saw last week, it's blowing up. Like, if you're Philip, you're like, man, this is awesome. God is moving. Look at all these people. I'm so glad I'm here. Maybe I'll be the lead pastor. Maybe I'll be the associate pastor for discipleship. Maybe I'll be one of the deacons. Hey, I have a lot of experience with that. I don't know, but I like being part of this, right? And then an angel comes and says, I want you to leave. Okay, am I going to go to some other big movement? Some other, you know, huge? No, I want you to go to a desert road where nobody is. Okay. So you go, and then you get there, and you're just like, what? Am I in detention? Like, what in the world is this? But then you see this one chariot, and they wouldn't be going very fast, but it would definitely be someone very wealthy. It probably looked a little different because it was from a very different place and culture. And so you see it. Now the spirit of the Lord presses on you, right? Go, Philip, and run up to that chariot. Has God ever asked you to do anything uncomfortable? Yeah? Well, this is pretty uncomfortable, right? Think about it. The chariot's going, and Philip now has to kind of He's kind of running, picture this, he's like kind of running alongside the, the chariot, right? And, I mean, these people don't, like, you might think you're robbing him. He's got to have guards. He's a very rich guy, right? Like, who am I going to take care of this guy, right? Imagine if you were just, you know, near the airport or something, and God pressed on you to go talk to that Uber driver, and it starts taking off, and you're like, <laughs> right? He rolls down the window, and he's got the Bible on tape. Do you understand what you're reading, right, or what you're listening to? It would be uncomfortable and weird, but Philip, he does it. I don't know why God's having me do this, but he does it. And here's him reading Isaiah 53, a passage about the suffering servant, right? And he, and he, and he asks him, you know, do you, know what you, do you understand what you're reading? And, and, you, and no, and so he sits up next to him and he begins to share with them the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Begins to share with him that the key for this eunuch is Jesus. He's the suffering servant. He suffered for your sins. And open and unlock all the scripture. 
So that's Philip. Now, imagine you're this Ethiopian eunuch. Who's he? He doesn't have a name, which is perfect, I think, because he could be any one of us. And, and it's really weird. So he's from this place called Ethiopia. It's not modern-day Ethiopia. It would have been a little bit different. It's, it was um, uh, south of Egypt, right on the Nile. It was a pretty prominent, pretty wealthy place. But the Romans looked at this Ethiopia. They called it the edge of civilization. Like they were civilized, but after that, I don't know. And so it's interesting that though Paul will be the main messenger to the Gentiles with the gospel, that Philip is here talking to someone who's literally from the ends of the earth. And he's the first that gets to introduce someone like that to Jesus. So if you're the, so the eunuch, what is he? So he, he's, uh, he lives in this place called Ethiopia, and he's very prominent and very wealthy. Um, the, the, the Ethiopians, they had kings, um, and they were males, but they were considered almost deities. So they didn't do any work. I don't know what they did. It sounded like a good life. Uh, uh, but the real mover and shaker, the real one in charge was the queen mother. Right? So they were really who was, who was in charge. And so the queen, uh, not, their names weren't Candace. That was a title given to them. He worked directly for her and was in charge of all of the finances. It's like the most important position in the kingdom, right? And so he's a eunuch, which, kids, you can ask your parents later uh, what that is. Um, but the best thing to understand, the most important thing, I should say, is that eunuchs were con- considered in the Old Testament unclean, right? Unclean. You weren't, you weren't able to worship. You had a separation from you and God. So this eunuch, somewhere, somehow, we're not told, is introduced to the God of Israel. He's like, I want to know this God. I don't, not the gods of Ethiopia, not the idols of Ethiopia. I want to, like, I want to know this God. So much so that, that somewhere along the line, he pays big money. You couldn't, you, you and I, we take for granted our Bibles. No, no, no. If you owned your own scroll of a, of a book of the, of the, the Bible, like, you, you had money, right? So he even spent good money on this scroll in Isaiah. Uh, he went all the way to Jerusalem, probably one of the feasts, right, where pil- pilgrims would come, just to worship this God, just to find this God, right? But here's the problem. First of all, he's a Gentile, not even a Samaritan. This guy's a Gentile. He's not part of the, the, the Jewish faith, so he's only allowed. And, and secondly, he's a, a eunuch, right? So, like, throughout the scriptures as he's reading, it's like, eunuchs, no, unclean. Can't go to church. So whenever he, he went all that way, he got maybe into the court of the Gentiles, and that's it. Right? So now he's on his way home, and he's still seeking this God. But I don't know. I'm, uh, just like I put some stuff on Philip that maybe he doesn't deserve, is more my own kind of how I would think. This is how I would be thinking. I want to know this God. But does he actually want to know me? There's such a gap between me and this God. I can't worship him. I can't understand him. And I'm reading this scripture. What is he talking about? Many scholars think that he was reading Isaiah because a lot of, he was a favorite prophet of eunuchs because it's in Isaiah that is said that there will come a day where the eunuchs will be made clean and restored. And so eunuchs liked Isaiah, right? And so he's reading, but he gets to this Isaiah 53, and he's just, what? And he asks the question that most scholars asked, right? Is he talking about himself, uh, that I'm going to be, that Isaiah himself was going to suffer, even though it was the people's sin, a lot like Jeremiah, or someone else, some other figure that's to come? 
And that was their big question and big, big debate. So he asked, he's like, what is the key to this passage? What, I'm frustrated. I want to know this, God. I've gone all that way. I got this. He's like, what? what? Right? And, and, and when Philip asks him, do you understand what this means? He said, how can I? And I don't know about you, but I read kind of an undercurrent of, let somebody just show me this, God. Like, I can't get to him. There's just such a grand canyon of a gap between me and him. Right? And so Philip you know, so as he's sitting there thinking, like, oh, I don't feel, I don't know if God, right? All of a sudden, there's a voice. Hello? It's this dude running alongside my chariot. Could you imagine that? You know, you're, you're in your study or you're wherever you like to read your Bible, and you're reading, like, Ezekiel or, like, Revelation, and you're like, what is this, right? And, and you're like, I don't understand this. And then there's a knock on the door, and I'm there. I'm like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? If it's Ezekiel, I won't be coming, just, just so you know, all right? But it would not be so like, oh, that's creepy. It's probably happened to you before. You're like, I just don't understand this, or I'm just really struggling with this. And then the sermon is on that, and you're like, oh, okay, right? And, and, and God shows this guy, I'm here. I'm with you. And he hears about Jesus. And Philip opened up all the scriptures and showed him that the key is Christ and the cross. And, and as a eunuch, he must have been, just like us. Like, I don't know, are you sure, though? Like, don't I have to work that off? Don't I have to go to the temple? Don't I have to pay some money? I mean, I got money, right? Whatever those questions are. And Philip could, could say, just like we sang today, the cross is enough. The cross is enough. You can, you can, you're a eunuch, so what? You're a foreigner and not part of the, the family of Abraham, so what? The cross is enough. There's salvation and restoration, and in the name of Jesus, he's the key. And then he's like, I want to be baptized, right? I want to be baptized. And that verse 37 um, that we don't have in our Bibles, um, pretty much it's agreed among scholars over the years that, um, that that was added in the second century probably. It's not a bad verse. If you grab a King James at some point um, that still has it in there, um, it, it's actually good, but this, it's just not Luke's writing style. There's just so many reasons that I don't want to go into that it's not, but it really just says something along the lines of, can I be baptized? And Philip says, if you repent and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's like the, the, the scholar's like, eh, or the scribe was like, we really need to clarify something here. Don't ever do that to the Bible, by the way, okay? God, God doesn't need our help, all right? And, and so, but it's, it's probably an, uh, a very early second century confession of faith that people did before they got baptized. And so it was added. So it's been taken out because it's not genuine. You can be very confident in the scriptures. I know it's really uh, cool out there to say it was written by a bunch of men and there's so many errors. No, any of the scribal errors we have found. Um, and none of them take away from the message of Scripture. You can believe it unlike any other book or work from antiquity. The Bible has been poured over for generations. And so you'd have 37 out of there, and then he goes into the water. I want you to just imagine now, right? Like, like here's a eunuch. Like, you might take uh, uh, baptism for, for granted, but this guy's not. Like, there was this gap. Like, I can't be with this God. I'm not even allowed into church, right? And now I come up out of the water, and I'm a child of God. I'm restored, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, there's purpose. I'm not a eunuch anymore. I'm not like, like to God, right? I'm a, still a eunuch, but not to God. I'm not, I'm not forgotten about. I'm not on the outside, all because of Jesus. And so he just sings out with joy. And Philip is probably thinking, all right, what are we going to do next? And then 
It just says he's carried away by the Spirit. Anyone else want to know what that was like? I feel like it was a roller coaster ride, which is I'm really hoping that Spirit doesn't do that to me. But I don't know. The eunuch had to been like, wow. But I want you to, to think, okay, when you're thinking about this eunuch and thinking about um, that the really just characterized his whole story is gospel joy. Rejoice, like we sang, rejoice. But think about how he had to feel frustrated with God just isn't near me. I'm never going to get there with this God. Does he even hear me? Does he even see me? Does he even? And all of a sudden, one of his, one of his heaviest hitters, Philip, is running alongside him. Can I help you? Can I help you? And Philip had to been like, I'm leaving this whole place for, 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 for in Samaria for this one guy. And it's God's like, yeah, he's mine. I'm with him. I love him. I want to save him. Have you ever felt like God's not near? Ever felt that way? I just, like, I want to believe he is. But my experience right now is just I feel this gap. I feel this distance. And I pray and I just... I feel like my prayer's not being answered. Have you ever felt that way? Pretty recently, I, I was um, feeling that way. I was going through a, a few days where just, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just intense stress and anxiety. You know the kind of anxiety? Usually I'm pretty good about kind of like maybe pushing it in. <laughs> I said this, but I think it was more like that. But this was just like, like I could feel it. Yeah, anyone else? Anyone else felt that? Or are you all better? Okay, good. Not good, but you know what I mean. I'm not alone. And I feel this, this, this stress. In fact, um, one of the mornings of that, I had a doctor's appointment. It was just a physical that I hadn't had in a while, so I had to go. And um, the nurse did the preemptive work. And, you know, they do all the stuff, you know. And I've never had an issue with, with blood pressure, right? But she's, you know, ch, 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 ch. And I'm, I'm literally feeling this. And I'm, I thought to myself, well, this isn't going to go well. And sure enough, there's a pause, and the nurse goes, yeah, I'm a little concerned about your blood pressure. I'm like, well, there's a situational, I think, you know. And so the doctor comes, does her thing. And then at the end, she's like, listen, I want to give you another chance. <laughs> like it's a test, right? And so, you know, have you ever tried to lower your blood pressure like this? How's that go for you, Right. It went up even more, okay? And so the doctor's like, uh, I'm like, listen, give me a month. My, my wife's a nurse, and uh, we'll, we'll try to do our, and I'll come back, and if it's really an issue still and not situational. So I come back to the church, and I had a lot of meetings that, that night, and I had to take a phone call um, that was really important. And, and there was a lot of interruptions. Not that I don't love your interruptions, but I decided I have to escape from my office. And so I went downstairs. I don't know why I'm telling you this secret. You're going to find me now. Whatever, I'll find another hiding spot. No, so I go in that the conference room and it's dark in like the children's church area downstairs, and, and I'm in there. I was, I was just about finishing my phone call, and I see someone walking towards the door. I'm like, Are you kidding me? This guy found me? Like, really? And I kind of because it was dark, and I see as he comes close. I'm like, Wait, that's my dad. And if you don't know, my dad lives two hours away. All right, and I had no idea he was going to be around. Um, and, and he comes. He's like, Hey. So I wrapped up my phone call. Turned out he had a, a doctor's appointment in Burlington, and then um, he was going to hit uh, my niece Hannah's soccer game. So he had a little time. He saw my truck, and, and he stopped in and tracked me down, like my dad always seems to be able to do. And we talked for about a half hour or so. 
about nothing really in specific. And he went off to the game, and I went off to a bunch of meetings. And way too late that night when I, you know, or before the meetings, I should say, I, I texted Heather, and I said, hey, my dad stopped by. I said, it was really good to see him. Have you ever just felt that way? Just out of the blue. Because he's 80 now, and our relationship's obviously different, but he's still my dad. He's the dad that was there to change my diapers, cloth diapers back then. I'm getting old. He's, you know, there when I needed stitches in my head. He helped me learn how to ride a bike, taught me how to drive. Don't blame him, by the way. It's not his fault. He did his best. And, and throughout the, you know, and, and just in that time of anxiety and stress, just to see him and all the difference. So as I'm thinking about it in bed way too late that, that night, thinking about the day, I'm like, oh, yeah, forgot my dad stopped by. And then all of a sudden, the tears started streaming down my face. Has that ever happened to you where you're like, I don't even know why I'm crying right now. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? And, and, and then I realized as I sat there, as I laid there, it was like God was speaking right to me. He's like, Jamie, when you didn't think your dad would possibly could be close to you, all of a sudden he was there. And he's limited in every way as a human can be. Imagine me, your heavenly father. I'm always there. I'm there when you, when you feel me. I'm there when you cannot feel me. I never leave. My spirit's with you. Even when you do stupid things, make bad choices, I correct you and convict you, but I'm there. You're my child. You're in my family. I will never forsake you. And that's why the tears came. And I just want, that's to me the eunuch, right? I, I'm not close to God. All of a sudden, God says, you're so important, I sent one of my top heavy hitters just for you. And I want you to hear me today. Whatever you're going through, maybe you're feeling great about God and you know he's there, awesome. But if you're like in one of those seasons or have been for a while, I can't hear him, I don't know, he's there. He has no limits to his power and his presence in your life. And maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're like not even sure if you, you believe. I'm just saying, you can't do anything to outsin the cross of Christ. So what is, when you think about the eunuch, what's our job? Because he's near, but what is our job? And to me, the, the simple job of the eunuch that I see throughout that whole story, clearly throughout his life, is that he, he was seeking God. Just keep seeking God. Like he went all the way to Jerusalem. Didn't probably work out as best as he'd want, but he kept seeking. Even on his way home, he wasn't binging Netflix. He's reading the scriptures. And he didn't understand what he was reading. He's like, oh, I don't understand this, right? But he's seeking like that's what you're doing right now. Even if someone dragged you to church and you've barely been listening, give yourself some credit. You are seeking God. Every time you open your Bible, even if you're like, what? You're seeking him. Every time you try to pray and your mind wanders, and you, just, you are seeking God. Keep seeking. Because here's what I know. When you seek, what did Jesus promise? You will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. And so even if you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, keep seeking. Keep going. Keep asking. Keep knocking. He's a God who will find you because he's there, even if you don't know. He always is. So that eunuch, full of gospel uh, 
joy. He, he seeks. Philip comes. And then he what? He believes. He simply believes. He didn't have to ununic himself. He didn't have to, to get adopted into a family that's Jewish. He didn't have to leave his country. He, didn't, he just believed that Jesus is enough. Have you done that? I know a lot of you have, but maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't just said yes in faith to Christ. Just repent, which just means I don't want the world anymore. I just don't want the answers of the world. And hear me, Christian, that's not a one-time thing, is it? It's every day you need to repent and believe. Because a repentance just turn around. I don't want that. I'm not saying you pray the sinner's prayer every, every day, all right? I'm saying it's a choice, isn't it? Every day. It's like, I don't want the world. I want Christ. I want his truth. I want, like, that's not going to happen by accident, right? That is being the eunuch and saying, I want to believe in Christ. Some of you maybe need to learn the lesson of the eunuch and get baptized, right? Baptism, it doesn't save you. That's why the, I think why the, the guy wrote an extra verse just to make sure we were clear about that. But the Bible's very clear about that. But baptism is the way God gave us to physically express our faith in Jesus Christ. We identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I remember fighting baptism. I got baptized as a baby. God, that's enough. No matter how much God said to me, yeah, that was great that your parents did that, but what about you? It took us a few years until we were teaching the teens about the importance of baptism, and I'm like, what kind of hypocrite am I? And I got baptized. And what a joy it was to come out of those waters to know I believe in Christ. We pro- I think we have a baptism coming up pretty soon. So if you've never, even if you've been a Christian for years, you've never done it, do it. If you're like, yeah, I don't really like getting up in front of people. What else are you not comfortable with that God's asking you to do that you won't do? Do it. You'll never regret it. The eunuch was full of gospel joy, and I hope that's you too. Philip was full of something else, gospel obedience. He's experiencing this big movement in Samaria. This is great. And he's told to do something uncomfortable, something out of his comfort zone. I read into Philip. Philip's awesome. He probably was like, okay, Lord. You know, so when I say, he's probably like, what? That's just Jamie. I don't know if Philip did that. I just know that I would do that. Lord, are you sure my talents and abilities really could be used in Samaria? Now I want you to go to that desert road. Okay, I guess I screwed up somewhere along the line. You ever, don't you wish that God, when he calls you to do something, that he would give you all of, of the steps and results and this is how it's going to go? Wouldn't that make it a lot easier? He doesn't do that, does he? He didn't do that for Philip. He said, go. Well, what's going to happen there? Just go. Okay. Now go to that chariot. That's weird. They're going to think I'm really weird. Like, that's a very different culture. What if, what if, what if? Those are the things that would have been running through my mind. No, just go. Just do it. Right? And then you hear them reading the scriptures. You're like, wow, this is crazy. Right? And then next thing you know, you're in the gospel conversation. But it starts with one step, doesn't it? Where God calls you out of your comfort zone and to go. And you don't know how they're going to respond. You don't know. You know, that, that grumpy neighbor, and you're like, I don't want to talk to him. Like, he's... He's probably grumpy because he's lonely and needs someone to talk to. Maybe God calls you. I don't know if he's going to yell at me. Who knows? But I, he's, he's pressing in on me to go. 
He's pressing in, me, in on me to go to that group or go to that ministry team or talk to that person and who's sitting alone in church or whatever it is. Go. What is he calling you to, to do that's uncomfortable? I remember uh, when I was a new Christian, newly married, and we were actually coming to this church, and uh, Heather had asked me like 50 times to go to this new young adult, oh, that was the, the, a long time ago, um, group, and, and all 50 times I said, nah, I don't really want to do that. And then the pastor's wife, uh, it was Andrew Ford at the time, his wife Jill, uh, she asked me, hey, you want to come to this young adult group we're doing? And I was like, sure. Heather's like, are you kidding me right now, Really? I'm like, well, I couldn't say no to the pastor's wife. I mean, come on. So I went. It was very uncomfortable for me to do that, but I did. Uh, now, a couple of years, not even a couple of years later, uh, the youth pastor at the time and his wife invited us over for dinner, asked us to be youth leaders and work with teenagers. Really? Sure. And we did. A number of years later, the church asked me to be a pastor. <laughs> like, I know some of you don't think that's funny, but I do, all right? And ask anyone from my home, hometown. They're still like, what, like a real pastor or like one of those like, because uh, it's always out of your comfort zone. And, I, and unless you think I'm bragging, I could give you, if we had the time, a hundred or more different times where God clearly pressed in on me to do something and I didn't do it. Anybody with me there? Like you can tell, like the spirit told you to go do that and then by the next day you're like, I think that was just some bad pizza I ate. I don't think that was really... And, 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 and hey, if that's you, because it's been me, it's okay. There's forgiveness. God, God didn't be like, what am I going to do now, right? Like he, he's got it. He's just inviting you in. You see, the question is not, is God calling you to go? The question is, will we go? What is he calling you to do? And so that's uh, where uh, I, I want us to close, right? We had uh, the eunuch and Philip. And now just simply the question, what about you? I don't want you to leave here and be like, oh, that was a good sermon and forget all about it and never have any change in your life. It's not worth it. I'd rather you only heard like one sentence and it brought change in your life. One of the things that, that pastors will say, the biggest challenge to, to, to preaching is to try to apply it to such a diverse crowd. And even if it was a really small church and everyone was over the age of 65, it'd still be diverse in their experiences and what's going on in their life. But look around, and this is just one of three different gatherings of hundreds of people from kids to, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and everywhere in between, right? We, we have a, a 10-year-old in the room. We got my brother Bob Taylor over here, 95 last week. You think they got the same things going on in their life? Maybe, but probably different. So I can't, even though I would love to do it, and you would not want to do this, but I could sit with each one of you. So let's talk about your life and where we're going to apply this. You'd be like, please, God, don't do that, right? But you got to, your job is to meet me there, okay? Is to hear this and say, okay, what is God asking me to do? Maybe it's to believe for the first time in Jesus Christ. That's the biggest and best. Maybe you've, been, you've believed, but you've been on the sidelines. You've been hurt or burned or distracted or over here, right? And, 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 and you're just like, yeah, but, I, but, but, but maybe it's just to get back in. It's okay. So you were distracted. So you got on the sidelines. Let's go. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Maybe it's to join a ministry team. After you see me pace back and forth, you're definitely not going to join the camera team probably. Sorry about that, Steve. I'm not helping you. Maybe it's a group, or maybe it's to support a missionary, or maybe it's to talk to your neighbor. I know there's two things that, that God's pressed on me. 
One is involving prayer, and the other is involving a next-door neighbor who just moved in. And, and I don't even know them yet. I had COVID when they first moved, so that would have been kind of, hey, neighbors, here's a pie. That probably wouldn't have been nice. But he's pressing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm really busy, so when I usually I get home, I don't really want to talk to anybody. But God's pressed in. That's a new neighbor. That's an opportunity. That's something, right? So, so now i gotta be, I got to figure out what to do about that. So I don't know what yours is. I would love to know. Let me know after or let me know. Message me. I will put you on a prayer list. I don't care if it's 400 people. I will pray for all of those steps. They're that important. You're like, that's creepy. I'm not going to do that. But tell someone. Tell your spouse. Tell your parents. Tell your friend. Tell someone so they can be praying for you. Because it's most likely out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's get baptized. Maybe I don't know what it is. Be praying and say, okay, how do I do what God has pressed on me to do? Let's pray. Lord, I just so, as I've been praying all week, I would just ask that you would open the minds and hearts of um, those who are in the room and those online with us as well, even those who may watch this later on, that you do your work, God, that you would show us what that step or steps that you want us to take. Lord, I pray especially for anyone who's just never just laid their yes of faith down, that today they feel like it, Lord, that you would show them just like the eunuch they can have gospel joy if they would but repent and believe that you are enough, Jesus. I pray for those who have believed but have been really kind of distant from you or not feeling you, Lord, that, that they would get back in it. They would take a step back on track. You would show them how to do that. Give them people to support them and help them, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray for anyone who's feeling the distance, feels like you're not there because they're going through something. Reveal to them as you did me that you're with them, not just in the peaks, but in the valleys and in the hard times. You never, ever forsake. You're with them now. They aren't alone, God. Assure them of that in their spirit, I pray. Lord Jesus, I especially pray for all of those little things or big things that, that you're asking us to do and to go do that's out of our comfort zone like Philip. I pray you'd give courage, you'd give help and wisdom to do what you've called us to do as a part of your mission. We humbly ask that all of it as individuals and as a collective brings glory to the great name of Jesus Christ, the name of all names. We thank you, Jesus, that the cross is enough. It's enough. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you're able, stand with us. Let's worship him together.